Now I would like to tell you about Yogeshwar Brahmachari. I first saw Yogeshwar Brahmachari at the birthday celebration of Ananda Mai Ma in 1971. He was sitting on the speaker's platform along with Ma and many spiritual figures of northern India. While the others looked around and often made some overt response to what was being said over the microphone, Yogeshwarji sat totally unmoving for hours with closed eyes and holding his yoga danda upright without the slightest movement. Quiet and unassuming, he always stood out in all situations. One very marked trait was his eyes. Sri Ramakrishna said, The mind of the yogi is always fixed on God, always absorbed in the self. You can recognize such a man by merely looking at him. His eyes are wide open with an indrawn look, like the eyes of the mother bird hatching her eggs. Her entire mind is fixed on the eggs, and there is an intern look in her eyes. That is exactly the look I always saw in the Ramachari's eyes. He spoke very familiarly and cordially with all who approached him, yet with great dignity, wisdom, and intelligence, and all the time was centered within. Yogeshwar means Lord of the Yogis and is a title of Shiva, but it fits Yogeshwar Brahmachari perfectly. He was in the spiritual lineage of Sri Ramakrishna, being a disciple of Sri Kuladananda Brahmachari, a disciple of Vijay Krishna Goswami, who was a disciple of Ramakrishna. However, Vijay Krishna Goswami was also a disciple of Babaji Brahmananda, who is written about in Autobiography of a Yogi as Mahavatar Babaji. You may be surprised and perhaps horrified to learn that Yogeshwar Brahmachari had 23 gurus, but it certainly sat well on him and I saw no reason for objection. One of his gurus was Tinkuri Lahiri, a son of Yogiraj Shamacharan Lahiri Mahashai. However, he told me that when he went with Tenkuri Lahiri to his ashram in Jagannath Puri, he met the head of the ashram just across the lane, Swami Sri Yukteswargiri, the guru of Paramhansa Yogananda. I spent every moment of every day with him, he told me. I was completely mad for him. Whether Sri Yukteswar was one of his gurus, he never told me. After the Russian Revolution, the communists did their utmost to seem legitimate and worthy of acceptation in the world community. One of their attempts was the calling of a World Students' Congress in the new Soviet Union. Yogeshwar Brahmachari decided to attend so he could see what a militantly atheistic state could produce. And he saw it. And he went directly to Lenin, who actually was an aristocrat, who had studied to be an Eastern Orthodox priest and had even put forth the possibility in the early days of the Soviet Union of establishing the Roman Catholic Church as a state religion. Anyway, Yogeshwar Brahmacharya went to him and challenged him on his atheistic ideas and the lack of freedom and morality they entailed. 
He met with Lenin privately several times, and for hours even. Lenin's secretary told him as he was leaving after the last session, After you leave, he sits for hours staring at the wall of his office. I have no idea what you say to him, but it certainly affects him. Lenin did tell Yogeshwarji that he considered Indian religion to be the most true of the world's religions. Many years later, Sri Kakasaheb Kalelkar went on a world speaking tour which included Moscow. Naturally, spiritual philosophy was his topic. Afterward, many heads of government agencies came to him and shook his hand saying, We like your religion. You do not send us to hell. They said this because the Russian Orthodox Church in 1918 had anathematized, that is, cursed and cast out all who belonged to the Communist Party. Actually, what part of their declaration said this, By the power given to us by God, we forbid you to approach the mysteries of Christ. We anathematize you, if only you bear Christian names, and although by birth you belong to the Orthodox Church. We also adjure all of you, faithful children of the Orthodox Church of Christ, not to enter into any communication with such outcasts of the human race. And then they quoted the First Corinthians verse, remove the evil one from among you. Well, now we know why the communists didn't care much for Christianity. Everything about Yogeshwar Brahmacharya was direct and simple. He followed a very ancient tradition of not becoming a full sannyasi, but remaining a brahmachari. Brahmachari is the title of a junior monk, a student of spiritual life, and many have preferred to remain in that status as a result of humility and avoidance of the pitfalls of continually receiving honor as a sannyasi, an honor that is often exaggerated and imprudent, unwise and certainly unmerited. I can give us a personal example. One time I went to the opening of a neighborhood temple in South Delhi. It was very small and humble, in keeping with the economic level of those living there. Like the early Christian community of Corinth described by St. Paul, they were not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But their devotion was genuine, fervent, and inspiring to me. The people had invited many well-known monks and sadhus, but not one had cared to bother with their invitation. After the consecration of the temple and the image of Krishna that was enshrined there, we went to a kind of community center where prasad, that is food that has been blessed by being offered to the deity in the temple, was to be shared by all. As part of the preliminary, the priest poured water over my feet and dried them off. I assumed this was like the custom at Jesus' time for honored guests. Sometimes, sometime during the meal, a woman went around with a container of water giving a spoonful to each one to drink. This is because it's a custom to wash the feet of the image in a temple and then to distribute it as prasad, so I was not surprised. But what did surprise me was my friend Shyamlal Sharma telling me that was the water from washing your feet. I had heard a story about a guru who began to strut around 
when he heard that one of his disciples had worked a miracle. So I can see that such honor could harm a person. In fact, I know of a Western sannyasi who became utterly drunk on ego after traveling in India and being treated like a deity. Instead of realizing it was the goodness of the hearts of the Indian people manifesting in such respect, he decided that they saw in him a spiritual greatness he had not known he possessed. After returning to America, he began having himself photographed in poses found in pictures of renowned Indian spiritual leaders. Finally, the madness took the form of accepting the declaration of foolish followers that he was an avatar. But at the same time, a couple of American divine mothers were percolating around the country as well. So <laughs> it's not uncommon. When I arrived for a Samyan Sapta at the remote ashram of one of the saints who often visited Anandamoy Ma, I learned that Yogeshwar Brahmacharya was there as well. So I asked where he was staying. Even though the ashram was large and able to accommodate many in comfortable quarters, I was taken not even to a ramshackle hut, but to a cow shed. Way toward the back, I found him sitting on a pile of straw on a kind of cement shelf meant for storage. About four feet away, a calf was tethered. So Brahmacharji was not just in a cow shed, he was in a calf's toilet. He tried to soften my unspoken chagrin by saying that since he was considered a member of the family, the ashram officials had assigned normal places to those not so close to them. However, I noticed not one of them, that is, not one of the ashram people, had been consigned to an animal shed. I respected Yogeshwarji's loving and humble attempt to cover up for such an outrage and did not contradict it. Of course, by his reasoning, I was even closer to the family because they had not given me any place to stay, but I had to share a tent with an American married couple, something considered in India completely inappropriate for a sannyasi. The good side of all this was my witness in Yogeshwar Brahmacharya's love and patient humility, so I could tell you about it now. Yet more was to come. Every day, several prominent sadhus spoke in the satsang hall. Yogeshwar Brahmacharya was not so close a family member that they had banished him from the platform, so he did sit there, a living example of what the Bhagavad Gita calls a yogi whose joy is inward, inward his peace, and his vision inward. But he was also a yogi of integrity, who cared about the people attending the Samyam from all parts of India. One evening, toward the end of the Samyam, when the microphone was finally put in front of him, he did not give a normal discourse, but spoke very briefly. As he spoke, nearly all those with him on the platform became overtly angry, glaring at him and muttering, some exclaiming aloud. Worse, the entire atmosphere was charged with intense hostility. I really believe that if Ma Anandamai had not been there as witness, they would have seized and beaten him. 
I was very frightened for him. But the rumbling subsided and someone else got the mic and gave a talk. The next day early, I went to see him at the cow shed. His accommodations had been upgraded. The calf had been removed, though the cows remained. Right away, I asked about the night before. Yogeshwarji laughed gently and said to me, You see, this is the problem. Every year, hundreds of good people come to the Samyam hoping for inspiration and spiritual wisdom. But these Gara wearers give them nothing but inapplicable theories. So last night, I decided to challenge them. So I said to them, These people are living ordinary lives in the world and have come here hoping that your words will help them live a spiritual life while fulfilling their worldly obligations. But what do you give them? First of all, you tell them the world is unreal. Now what are they supposed to do with that? Instead of telling them how to cope with daily problems, you tell them they're deluded and that their lives are all an illusion. You continually speak of the transcendent God, but never of the God who is also eminent and dwelling in the heart of all. The philosophy you speak was never meant for everyone, but to be discussed only by sannyasis intent on renunciation and rejection of the world. These people should not even hear such things. They need to be told how to live. You only tell them they don't know what they're doing. This is shameful. And you saw the reaction, he concluded. Yes, I told him I feared for you. He smiled and said, Ma was there, so they had to behave. My last meeting with Yogeshwar Brahmachari was at a Samyam in Brindaban. The last day I was asked to speak at the evening session. Only my liking and respect for Brahmachari Nirmalananda, who was making a request, kept me from refusing. I have no memory of what I said because I was so uncomfortable at sitting on the same level as Ma Anandamai. Once, when I was speaking with her privately in Dehradun and another time in the courtyard of the Varanasi Ashram, when I was sitting on a step just beneath Ma, with many people present, she told me to sit next to her. I just could not do it. Devotees will understand, and will understand how I felt in Brindaban. When I was finished speaking, Yogeshwar Brahmachari was the next speaker. Turning to me, he said in English, Many people here do not know English, so I am going to translate for them what you said. And he did. And as a footnote, I could tell you that later I learned that although Ma had been lying down and covered up from the beginning of that session because she hadn't been feeling well, when I began to speak, she sat up and watched me throughout the entire discourse, then lay down and covered up for the rest of the time. So I never realized she'd been looking at me. If I'd known that, I would really have gone blank. Brahmachari Nirmalananda came to me the next day and told me he wanted me to be a regular speaker at all future Simons. So that was the last one I attended. And that was my last darshan of Yugeshwar Brahmachari. As they say in the Eastern Christian Church, memory eternal.